0: Hi there, everyone, and welcome to Ten for the Consultants. For those of you out there who might not know, Ten for the Consultants is where the Strategic Thinking and Development team takes questions from all you...
1: John, shut your yap! If it's not already abundantly clear what we're about, it will be in due course.
2: Pete, first question... Aye, aye, Captain. First question is from BlackAlt86, who asks, If you have a multi-ship raiding party... Is it better to have certain ships carry single weapon types or all ships carry some of each weapon necessary? Good question
0: there, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, I reckon so. I mean, it kind of depends on the mark, done not it? If you're expecting casualties, you might be better off spreading your mass drivers and energy weapons around, rather than putting all your eggs into one basket.
2: Well, if the mark is a slouch job, it might make the ray go faster to send in your shield breaker first and then your hull puncher. Yeah, I guess the real
1: answer is plan your own damned raids and quit bothering us with your simple and simpleton submissions, you superfluous sycophant. Next question, Jones. Uh,
0: Right, okay. So uh, uh, Jolly Robert 68 asks, If I want to avoid a contested boarding action, what's the quickest way to engage a peaceful surrender? Well... I liked. Ah, uh... oh,
1: decapitated heads on the spikes on the brow, right? <laughs> That's a classic Jones move, right there. <laughs> uh,
0: no, Captain, I weren't gonna say that. Oh,
1: yeah, 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 There was that time, that time you wore the Helios Python on your arm, coiled around. Oh, that got attention.
0: Uh, no, sir. I, I mean, I were wearing that Python for the tax incentives. No, what I were gonna say was, that I prefer to get them stopped. <sighs> transmit over a list of navigation and safety violations that they got going on, and then offer to fix them up for a share of the booty. I'm aboard and in their cargo hold, near immediate. Ah,
2: well, isn't that anticlimactic? Not near as snappy as severed heads, but we got a number of repeat clients. (laughs) Fine, have it your way. What's next, you jabbering Uh, lovers? uh, Pete,
0: I think you better stop the recording here.
2: I reckon so. Um, I think that's got it. What's the big idea? Turn that thing back on and let's get this over Uh, with. I'm
0: begging your pardon, Captain, but you're really not keeping up with the spirit of the exercise here.
2: Gotta agree with old Jonesy there, Skipper. Director Clemens set this up as a Public Relations Opportunity.
1: Public Relations? Look, it was bad enough when we finally admitted that we were consultants, not bloodthirsty men of fortune. But at least then, we were clandestine cleaners of the accounts of clever commissions, corporations, and conglomerates. Now we're just broadcasting away our hard-earned, battle-tested strategies to any moron with a Spectrum receiver. Oh, maybe
0: so, sir, but look at the questions we're getting, right? Raiding party composition, intimidation and suppression tactics. The folks out there still believe we sell under the black flag. One feller here wants to know which kind of sword you like best. Oh, really? Well, you know, that depends on whether you want a nice,
1: clean dismemberment, or if you're going for a more you know, visually disturbing, uh, jaggedy uh, sort I of cut. I think you was uh, with... wanting
2: to know what would look best with knee-high brown suede boots and a maroon
1: sash. So, Well, obviously a narrow-bladed scimitar with it? Hey, wait a that's what he wants me to answer
0: oh, <laughs> right, I did tell you to take five minutes to change your gear before that photo op sir you were a might mm, flamboyant for the cover of cutthroat advisors Quarterly. that damned puff piece in that worthless rag nothing but gift bags and fan mail came of that oh
1: and guess who came up with that little venture
0: ooh, ooh. I know I know Director Clemens I think that were a rhetorical question, Pete.
1: Oh, very good, Jones. Now, set your staggering intellect to this question. What good is a fancy foundation of fame without any of the phenomenal follow-up fortune? Well, for
0: one, I think you're sort of cheating there with your alliteration with phenomenal. Uh, but given how the PH grapheme is universally pronounced, kind of like... Oh, shut it,
1: lads! We took on the geezers and the gimps because we thought we'd goose our gap-compliant growth. We were going to gouge open the gullet of galactic... greed, I guess? God damn it, Jones, you're in my head now.
2: I thought it was because we are on the run from the law
0: and couldn't leave witnesses behind. Well, I mean, that is a slight exaggeration. I mean, the total sentences for the infractions committed in the VD office really ain't worth the serious advocacy attention. For example, it's less than what the fashion police were going to give the and ear for that hat he wore on that magazine cover. <laughs>
1: I'll airlock the next man to comment on or chuckle at my attire on that muckraking broadsheet. Again with the threats, Captain, we told you. Uh,
0: but Pete, he, he might actually mean it this time.
1: Easy
2: there, Captain. Didn't mean nothing. I actually love that hat. I have had it right up
1: to my adorable antique ascot with the lot uh, of you.
0: Sir, don't be so hasty. Um, you, you see, this was all a part of uh, this was all a part of the director's plan. Yeah. What plan? You know, you know, Pete, the the big plan. Was there a memo? I don't remember a memo. Oh, there was a plan. Sure. Um, I, uh, while we were out here in the public eye creating all kinds of distraction and alibis, uh, the um, the, uh, the the old geezers and the office monkeys, they're uh, they're off on a big raid. Oh, raid? Right.
1: Without us? The pirates? What kind of a raid can you have without your pirates? A conservatively dressed one?
0: <laughs> uh, a plausibly deniable one.
1: Ah. While we're out doing this buffoonish barnstorming, they're boldly bounding off with bonanzas of booty! Ha <laughs> ha!
0: But, why wasn't I well, briefed? Well, now, Captain, we know how grouchy and ill-tempered you get when folks go rain without you. so, um, so me and Peter told the fellas we'd keep it all a secret. We did? Yep, yeah, sure we did.
1: Oh, okay, we did. Oh, well, that's better. Why didn't you say so? I love a good misdirection play. Let's get back to answering these idiotic um,
0: questions! I'll tell you what, Captain, why did not you go take five and uh, me and Pete here need to reset a bit of the recording gear and uh, maybe possibly edit out a couple of questions about the boots and sash.
1: Oh, sharp thinking, lad.
2: I'll be on the bridge. By Jove, I've never seen a captain so mad. Good thing all this strutting around is part of the plan.
0: Yeah, there is only, like, one minor problem with the plan, Pete. What's that? I kind of just made it up a minute ago. thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like, literally green. My last
1: nav check put me on the Grange Point Four.
0: This is control. Be we'll radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency.
1: Greetings, Sits and Civs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 58 and was recorded on February 7th and made available for download on February 10th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. So, what do we have this week, Lennon?
0: Well, in this week's Scorebox, we fight lightning with thunderbolts. In CRG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, January's monthly report, the latest design document all about shields, and we clear up some VD. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk all about wheels up systems, and finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation.
1: We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a Patreon campaign button. We've got a variety of rewards and backer levels, but essentially, if you know how Kickstarter works, you're most of the way there. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to this show as much as we love recording it. We thank everyone who's already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through
2: the squawk box. Hey, you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's to control.
1: Switching on You know, One of the big conceits in the Star Citizen universe is that many of us will be flying around in civilianized or retired military space frames that somehow have a few hundred hours of flight left in their weary bones. Sure, they might get you from point A to point B, but you'll have to sink credits into maintenance and upgrades if you want to stay flying. You know, if people were going to do this in real life with you know, airplanes, they'd be well advised to avoid rough treatment and adverse flying conditions in their retired rides. Unless, of course, that ride happens to be an A-10 Thunderbolt 2. Let's say you have a retired Warthog, tail number oh, 80-0212, built in 1980, which, uh, by the way, makes this plane older than Lennon. You don't keep that in the garage for Sunday drives. What you do is this. You replace the 600-pound, 20-foot-long GAU-8 Avenger Gatling gun with an auxiliary electric system. You give it a new coat of paint, some whiz-bang instruments, you send it to Oklahoma, and you fly it straight into Tornado. Vince Schneider, with Zivco Aeronautics, Inc. out of Guthrie, Oklahoma, wants to pack the hog full of radar transponders and fly it up to 35,000 feet, 15,000 feet higher than current storm penetrator planes can go. Once there, the pilot will take pictures of the thunderstorms from the inside. With its straight-wing configuration, armored cockpit, and especially its indestructible engine intakes, Mother Nature better recognize when this plane takes off. Quoting Mr. Schneider, they've been hail-tested up to two almost three-inch hail balls and no damage whatsoever to the engines, unquote. No longer tasked with covering ground troops while dodging a hail of rockets and artillery, this reborn weather-warning warthog is going to redefine what is meant by close air support.
2: That's pretty cool. I do know that the Air Force wants to unretire the (laughs)
1: warthogs. Yeah, the F-35 is supposed to replace this thing, but no. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
2: there's... There is no better built plane. It's ugly, yeah.
1: but man, it gets the
2: job done. Ugly? I think it's scary. I think I see one of those coming over the ridge. I'm running. I'm digging ground. <laughs> I'm getting into the cave.
0: <laughs> I'm eating Mother Earth and, and loving the taste. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing, though, isn't it? You said the that they've been trying to retire this. They are just practically indestructible. They're like Volvos, but of the yeah. sky. They're, they're and looks- I'm trying to quick mental calculation here what is what is three inches that's about uh, six centimeters eight centimeters or something like that yeah Um,
1: seven centimeters probably it's 2.5 centimeters to the inch so seven and a half centimeters there you go
0: because I was thinking you know just to throw more metric into here don't, don't they usually fire like 30 mil rounds so, yeah, thirty
1: mm cannon yeah, rounds, yes. I think the yeah, GAU so, is, yeah.
0: Yeah, so they're basically being hit by double the size of a standard round for that aircraft. And it's practically impenetrable. Yeah, okay, it doesn't have like the, the tip in the explosion or that sort of thing. But it just goes to prove it can take one hell of a beating and still keep flying. But it is also good that they are actually finding other uses for these rather than just scrapping them. Because it would be a shame to see these aircraft go to waste, you know. Waste?
1: They can park one in my garage. Yeah, I've, there's probably plenty of volunteers out there that would take one of these. It, again, it, it's it, if I ever win the lotto, I'm going to like have a fleet of these. Of these uh, the A10, the A4 is another personal favorite of mine. I like the A4, but yeah, it's just it's just great to see that they're finding uh, new jobs for these uh, planes, even though they're quote retired. Have you read seen or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news.
2: Port Bay, hands-on approach, screen, call the ball.
1: Let's get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for February 7, 2015, $72,215,000, another four hundred grand into the coffers and another milestone busted through. Star Citizens, we got 748,000, another 6,000 added to our rolls, and another 5,000 in the UEE with 621,000 ships. Still growing like a weed,
0: kids. Well, they seem to be coming at us thick and fast lately, CIG have released yet another design post, and this time it's all about shields and shield management. To give you a breakdown of what is a rather lengthy article, there are two primary types of damage in Star Citizen, kinetic and energy. Shields will help mitigate the damage to your ship, either by directly absorbing the damage from energy weapons, which will in turn lower your shield's overall health, or by slowing down a kinetic projectile enough to weaken the impact on your hull. Additionally, your ship can also take a beating from splash damage. This is damage caused by items such as missiles.
1: To start things off, CIG created some high-level overviews of the shields and broke them down roughly into the following categories. Military, Stealth, Civilian, Racer, Industrial, and Outlaw, each being balanced against their strengths. For example, military shields might have high damage absorption and recharge rates, but this comes at the cost of high power use and higher EM-IR signal. Conversely, the Stealth Shields would be designed for low power, low signature, but they suffer from being low in damage absorption and low in recharge speed.
2: There are several high-level variants, Rapid Recharge, Durable Item, Direct Damage Shell, Splash Damage Guard, Second Skin, and Hard Light, again, all trading off one system or another. Going for the Splash Damage variant leaves you vulnerable to Direct Damage, and going for the Rapid Recharge variant will leave you with lower base health of the shields. Once the high-level overviews are done, CIG made available some shields for purchase in Patch 1.0.2. The Seal Corp, Ink Mark, and Ink Splash Generators protecting you from direct and splash damage respectively.
0: Of course, with great shields comes great power responsibility. At least I think that's kind of how that quote goes. Right now, we can manage the shields through our combat visor interface, otherwise known as the HUD in Arena Commander to you and me. But CIG have something special planned. From Arena Commander 2.0, our second crew member will be able to manage both the shield generators installed and the shield segments that are generated. The multi-crew shield management screen will allow for much more granular control of our ship's shield generators, allowing us to fine-tune the power usage, CPU usage, and IR slash EM
1: output. You'll also be able to balance between maximum shield points, shield regeneration, and shield recovery. In a head-to-head dogfight with the enemy, it may make more sense to have maximum shield capacity if you expect to take them out almost instantly, but for longer fights, then maybe recharge and recovery are more important. Best of all, once you've found your sweet spots, you'll be able to save your configurations into one of five presets, allowing you to switch to a new preset at a moment's notice.
2: As if that weren't enough, the design post also briefly touches on shields in the first person shooter module, saying that you'll be able to deploy a gadget that can protect from incoming fire known as the QDB, that is, Quick Deployment Barricade. The QDB can be used anywhere that gravity is active, and has just enough power to prevent
1: damage for those critical moments. I'm loving these design posts. I mean, they really get into the guts of it, and it really looks like they're thinking through the rock-paper-scissors uh, of these systems, which is is very, very nice. I like the balance of, of, of the different systems.
2: Yeah, it's yeah,
1: it's pretty. It, it was it was long. <laughs> <laughs> well, there a lot of thought went into it, right? And they have a lot of thoughts to say.
0: Yeah, but it was it was completely worth it, in my opinion. There's just like you said the level of detail that they're going into it's a really impressive system and it just makes me want Arena Commander 2.0 even more than I wanted it before because I would be quite happy to be a shield operator on somebody else's ship
1: oh yeah. sounds
0: boring as heck
1: yeah but- I mean th- they're thinking about mini games, right they're thinking about what are you going to do if you're not pointing the ship and pulling the trigger like there's there's other stuff that you can be doing and a backseater that can handle your your shields like that probably does give you the edge in a dogfight which is awesome because you know you want a cooperative game right you want a game that you're going to bring your friends into and have them spend the 60 bucks to get the game package but maybe they're not ready to spend 120 on a big badass ship dude just fly my second seat for me for a while we'll show you how awesome this is this is perfect i love this
0: yeah, and it also appears that they're taking a, a bit of the route that Artemis took as well, where you have all these separate workstations that combine together to make one oh. complete functional ship. Yeah, so I thought you might make a noise like that when I said that. Oh! <laughs> mm. Yeah, because Artemis, again, you know, it's been largely heralded as the game that every sci-fi nerd wants to play because yeah. it's you know, it practically puts you in the role of chief engineer or communications officer or weapons officer or whatever your role might be. And so I think if are taking cues from this this is a very good direction for them to go in
1: and it's not just like sliding up a slider right it's got there's multiple dimensions that you have to take advantage of you have to take care of power consumption you have to take care of the output Where's the output going? Is it going to the recharge or to the maximum capacity? I mean, there's decisions that you have to make based on inputs that the game is giving you or input from your pilot or the input from the enemies. Huh, they're shooting at our left side. Need more power over there. Uh, I mean, it's 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 really, it looks like there's going to be gameplay for everyone, not just the guy squeezing the trigger.
0: Yeah, which is always one of those things that you kind of worry about in a game like this is that, you know, a, a lot of the time, secondary functions are almost afterthoughts. It's good to see that they're actually designing this in from this early stage. so
1: Yeah, you guys should uh, definitely watch for the MVP next week because uh, pretty soon you're going to see a trailer from, I don't remember the guy's name, but it came across my Twitter feed and it is amazing. It's a boarding action of Akani and those quick deployment barricades are actually in there. So these are in engine graphical assets right now. And uh, some Star Citizen fans, some enterprising group of Star Citizen fans, including Disco Lando with a voiceover help, put together an amazing fan trailer that features these uh, these quick deployment barricades. So keep an eye on it. Sh- it's got to be an MVP. It's, if it's not MVP, that's a, it's a travesty. But uh, Will should be putting that in there hopefully pretty soon. And January's monthly report has been released, with each studio checking in and letting us know what they've been up to. This month we hear that Santa Monica has given more ships the green light to move into the hangar. CIG Austin lets us know that the alien language designers are at a point where they can start establishing alphabets for each race, and they're starting early work on the player persistence system and performing R&D on the economy server. From Foundry 42, we hear that Squadron 42 missions continue to get more layers of polish as they come out of the white box stage, with early levels being at a playable state for testing and design purposes. Behavior lets us know that they're deep into Moby Glass UI design, Ilphonic have put the finishing touches on the Zero-G push-pull maneuvering system, and work continues on the HUD and radar systems. Turbulent are working on a new site section called the Community Hub, and the good folks at Moon Collider are still working hard on the AI. Finally, new for this month's edition is a section called Community, which is a quick rundown of all the videos, design docs, and other good stuff to come from CIG. Although, why do you need that, when you got us, and Big Andy's list on the forums?
0: uh the alien languages i am so fascinated with what they're going to come up with for this i'm i'm kind of a, a bit of a language nerd anyway i speak more things than i care to admit to including some that may or may not be fabricated like elvish klingon and i was Mr. about Klingo. to ask you if
1: you spoke elvish uh, i was about to ask that that question was on the tip of my tongue
2: which which elvish are we talking about are we talking about tolkien's elvish or are we talking about uh, World of Warcraft, Elvish? Are we talking about nerds? Uh, oh, uh,
0: nerds. You well, you, you say that, but it's
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> clearly
1: I speak. Kenyan. Says the guy that had the po- has the podcast, right? I've yeah,
0: heard. yeah, yeah. I mean, Quenya, absolutely the the most purest form of Elvish, the the Tolkien Elvish from the First Age. That's the kind of nerd level I'm oh, into here. The, none so, of
1: that. None of this Third Age mumbo jumbo garbage.
0: What? No, n- not even a smattering of Eh maybe a little bit of Cinderin, but yeah no, Quenya's where is that for me I absolutely love that sort of stuff but yeah going back to the going back to the alien languages here I'm wondering if um, have you guys seen that thing that you can get I, I'm really struggling to remember who makes it but there's videos of it floating around you get it for iOS you get it for Android where you can translate by just like holding your phone camera up to the text and so if you're in France or somewhere and it says like Le Gare and you just hold up your phone it says train station and welcome be. to the swords and staff podcast oh, yeah, um, but no you can actually get this uh, you can get this software and I'm, I'm wondering if they'll actually build something like that into apps. I can't really see them not doing that but I think that would be super cool to get the auto translate sort of built in there
1: oh yeah that's, uh, that sounds amazing but I think you know I you know I take issue uh, with one basic assumption why do aliens have to have an alphabet
0: why don't they have a pictograph language or some other you know thing well Maybe I'm, I'm sure they're just using alphabet as a generic term you know writing system
2: I think I think some some sociologist somewhere said once that uh, for any for any kind of race to show intelligence they had to have a written language. I, I don't think that's quite right, but
1: but I remember reading that somewhere. For any sort of like you know biological entity to pass something down, unless it's some sort of genetic encoding. You've got to be able to make something permanent outside yourself, and so a writing system of some kind would have to be come out. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be an alphabet. It could be a Chinese pictograph, like you know, hieroglyphics. Exactly. Kanji. So, yeah. I'm just messing with them. I think alien languages are, are cool. It gives an immersion level to the universe. When you walk up to something and you don't understand it without taking some other in-game action, like when said, holding up your Moby Glass to it, maybe you have an NPC translator that knows the language of it or something, it's a, it's a gameplay element. It's another thing you have to do to interact with the universe. Uh, and I think that anything they add to add depth and immersion to the game, thumbs up, go for it. Spend the money and resources on it to definitely do that.
0: I was also uh, quite pleased to hear about the Squadron 42 levels being a playable state for testing and design purposes. Is it possible to go back to the January episode, the January 1st sort of I might need to readjust my expectations. Maybe they are going to get it out in their projected time rather than just at the six months later stage like we seem to peg them with.
1: You know, and the thing is with Squadron 42, I mean, I really do think that, again, I think your prediction that there would be a delay is based on the fact that the the localized physics would be a problem. I think in the single-player story you get around that by simply tying people down to their seats if you really had to. And so I think Squadron 42 is going to hit the mark. I hope so,
0: but time will tell. Uh, To to borrow a phrase that I love that you spat out once, uh, I guess at the end of the year we'll see who was right and who was stupid.
2: And finally, a little bit of clarification. A lot of people have been wondering lately, what's the deal with buying guns on the VD store? I've wondered that myself. Are we supposed to be testing them? Well, Ben, the feature you have listed to me will definitely be happening, Lesnek took to the forums to issue a bit of clarification. Links to the post will be in the show notes. But Ben lets us know that they would never ask us to test VD equipment, and that if you purchase a tarantula because a now-deleted thread might have implied that we're here to test VD weapons, then they'll issue a full refund and let you keep the gun. And he goes on to say that although they love the feedback they've been getting, the policy is that they'll never ask you to pay more money to test a particular feature. Going forward, we'll be able to use credits we earn in Arena Commander to purchase weapons and ships. This change will be coming soon. They've started the process to allow players to melt their VD store purchases, much like you can do with ships. Although there are some logistical challenges, they're mostly done, and this too will be coming soon. Ben then finishes by saying that a lot of people might see Arena Commander as pay to win. And this came as a surprise to all at CIG. As in their minds, Arena Commander is the testbed for a persistent universe and not a game in and of itself.
0: Well, we knew that already. I mean, come on. Well. There's a lot of inconsistency with what we've been told about Arena Commander, why we've got the VD store, what we're supposed to be purchasing, what we're supposed to be testing. Because, on one hand, they're saying things like, We will never make you pay additional money to test features. And then they follow it up with, But we're having a ship sale. You know, so surely they are, by getting us to pay for those additional ships, making us pay for features to test on the other hand they say things like arena commander is not a game in and of itself it's a test bed for the persistent universe and yet chris in ten for the chairman has gone on and said you know this is a full featured game along the lines of world of tanks we're aiming to create it as a full game that you can experience and this then sort of then brings up another question to me which is if they don't intend for you to purchase the guns to test then why are they there are they there for us to buy for the persistent universe which we know that's not correct because they're going to be resetting the uec and giving us all everything back so surely the only reason that they exist is either one to defeat the opposition which makes it pay to win two for testing which they've said it's not so in which case why even have it or why charge us for it I just don't get what they're missing. You're
2: you're you're confusing the situation. I think, from my understanding, and from what I've gathered from being here from the beginning, is that Arena Commander is, will will continue to be a simulator within the game,
1: and that yes, that's going to have that will be a simulator in the persistent universe. Yes, right.
0: Okay, so if I, if I can just stop and just tackle this one thing at a time because it might lead into what you're saying next, but if not, I'll just shut up and we'll cut this part. Um, if if it is a simulator. Why are they allowing you to purchase weapons with real currency now? Because
2: I think that's the only system they have in place. That's why they're bringing in the re- Arena Commander dollar.
0: Well, no, they could just put it as zero-cost weapons. I I I think
1: maybe it's almost as if they really don't know what they're doing and they're making it up as they go along because no one's ever done this before.
0: Yeah, no, that's fine.
1: I think that's what it is.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, and
1: as I... and as the back end of the system grows, and as they're able to do more things with the transactions, and and as the logistics uh, of the uh, of the not only the back end server but the front end, you know how you interact with the game are more fleshed out, they're able to do things that more closely align with the ideal of Arena Commander being an in universe persistent simulator, not an in universe persistent ship that you would fly around in. the, in the I think is I think we're getting these capabilities, you know, sort of built in organically as the company itself finishes projects and meets deadlines. That's my read on the situation. Is that they before now they were not capable of doing the thing that they really wanted to do, which is let you earn these arena commander credits in the game and test the stuff in the simulator to see if you wanted to buy it in the, quote, persistent universe once that capability is finally ironed out. And they've always said that if you're buying weapons in the store, you're just additional pledging. You're just helping support the game more. Oh, and by the way, as thanks for pledging more money, here's some crazy thing we just rolled off the press.
0: Okay, I kind of get that, but with the pledging of additional money, maybe it just wasn't necessarily made clear. I mean... I have purchased things off the VD store with real-life money. I did it fully expecting that I would never see that money again. It would get absorbed. I may not even end up with the weapons come the end of it. You know, I purely did it because I wanted to see what an OmniSky would look like on a Mustang. That was the only reason that I went through and did it.
1: Yeah,
2: okay. At first, the only thing I purchased was hanger items early on. And we've gotten a little bit... Crazy with the weapons. I don't know if the weapons were in there at the beginning or not. But my understanding of the VD store was to be, you know, those little accoutrements that people like, you know, like pets and and bling and and whatnot. I don't know why the weapons are the way they are.
1: Yeah, it's it's that it's that MMO argument, you know, and, and the things in the cash store. Are they, you know, simply non-game impact bling, as Jeff said, or is it something with functionality that could give a, you a potential advantage over a rival who does not want to spend cash or can't afford to spend cash? It's, the, it's that creep that kind of comes along in that. It, as soon as you open up the microtransaction genie, as soon as you open, up, you know, as soon as you rub that lamp, the genie pops out, and all of a sudden you have these problems. I think they're trying to stuff the genie back in the box which is hard to do. I mean, there's just no way around that. I'm going to just watch and make the attempt because if the weapons are going to stay in the VD store and they're still going to take pledge money for them, and yet you can also earn them in the game as Arena Commander uh, credits are going to be dispensed, I'm very curious to see what happens with those pledges. Do people still buy them in the VD store just so they can earn them immediately, and therefore it's more of a time versus play thing which is supposed to be what the idea is already some people with money versus people with time i'll buy it from the vd store because i don't want to earn the arena commander credits huh i mean i think that's where they want to get eventually anyway but we're just ramping up to their technical ability to be able to do that and i think that's where we're at now
0: but at the same time they're not helping this situation because as we've just gone through the design doc about they have shields, no
1: idea what they're doing They have not a clue.
0: But Ben has gone on the forums and said, oh, we never intended you to pay for testing it. By the way, in a completely different post, we've also gone and put more items in there that you can buy but not test. And it's, you know, to use the stuffing the genie back in the box metaphor, that's fine. They're trying to stuff it in one end, but somebody's opening it up at the other. And yeah, they might not have- Which will have to be
1: clarified in another post because, I mean, again, this is new territory for everybody. They have no idea what they're doing and they're making it up as they go. They're going to get a lot of slack from me just because of that
0: right but at the same time they could look at other industry examples of free-to-play games um, which is what we call it and i can understand how in their minds they were always seeing this as a test bed but yeah uh, the other side i can see the player's perception of this is a completed game you know it's full of polish we can buy ships we can buy weapons we've got leaderboards what more do you need for a competitive arena experience
1: it's almost as if people are having a real tough time discerning what stage this game is in. Is it alpha? Is it yeah, beta? is it alpha? Is it a release. Is it beta? It's like all the lines are blurred and none of the vocabulary makes any sense and the nomenclature is just all out of whack.
0: I, I just think that overall it's just because that there's quite a bit of inconsistency between, like you said, what phase we're in, what the game is actually supposed to be. Okay, to rehash all the ground here, if this is the alpha or the pre-pre-pre-alpha or the beta or whatever you want to call it, i.e. not release stage, then surely everything that we're doing should be testing. Yes. So...
2: Isn't that what we have already, though? I mean, really... We've got great communication from the devs. We get regular patches. We've got a game we're playing. I mean, really, what more can we ask for? There's really no no out. I, I don't understand this pay to win because there's no winning in this game. I mean, if you really care about the leaderboards that much, you know, fine.
1: I don't. Well, if you care about the leaderboards that much, you're spending all your money on the, the weapons that you think will give you the greatest advantage. And that's great. If you enjoy that sort of thing, awesome. Go for it. Uh, you're contributing to making the game better, faster, and you're getting your hands on the latest thing off the presses, whether they're balanced and tested and all the bugs are ironed out or not. Great. Have fun with it. If maybe you're you're not that guy and you, you're waiting for this Arena Commander credit system to roll out, and then as you play the game, then you'll pick and choose which things you want to test Based on your gameplay time, this is where they start rolling out the time versus money uh, relationship, and they start to figure out: well, our most insistent, demanding, immediate gratification people are willing to spend X amount of dollars for a weapon now, and our more casual players, or the people that have you know the, you know uh, want to take a little slower pace, it takes them a long time, and they're very picky and choosy about the weapons they have. I think they're going to start gathering data on their customer base based on this new iteration, based on this new capability that they're putting into the back end that, up until now, they did not have.
0: Well, I think all of this could probably be answered by one simple question. Mm. Where the f*** is the first-person shooter module?
1: As we continue to wait, the clock ticks on, and in the meantime, uh, Shiv talked me into buying AI War, Yes. Uh, I was on good old games, and so I'm going to have to learn a whole new game, and Shiv can kick my ass at it.
0: Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. I love getting my ass kicked by Shiv. He does it pretty routinely, so, you know, I'm glutton for punishment, what can I say?
0: Yeah. Um, Jeff, what have you been up to this week?
1: Uh, a lot of work. Excellent. You're working right now, as I understand. Yes, I am. I'm kind of distracted because I'm being asked a lot of stuff. Oh, will quit asking you questions and talking to you as you're like a host on the show or something.
0: Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry for the inconvenience, Dad. Yeah. sorry.
2: <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I've been playing. Actually, uh, I hate to I hate to admit it. I said that only because I'm I'm ashamed, and this is my secret little passion. But uh, uh, the wards of Dra- uh, Draenor came out for WoW, and I've
1: been playing a lot of WoW recently. This is the second time you've admitted to this. You know, I mean, the 12-step program sort of assumes that you take the first step, you know, admitting you have a problem, and then going on to the next step, which is doing something about
0: it. (laughs) You can't continually just
1: admit you have a problem. (laughs) You can't just stop at step one. I'm admitting it. I can't stop playing well. But I don't don't want
2: to do the other 11 steps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We won't stage an intervention just just yet. yet. (laughs) Yes, when it gets into my arena commander time, then you can stage it. Oh, okay. Then we know. Then we'll know. Yes. And Lennon, Lennon, have you had any time to do anything other than uh Lennon things uh,
0: Well yeah, I've been uh, I've been playing a lot of Arena Commander lately, uh mainly because I found out how fantastic it is when you use a joypad to play the game. Uh I've got my Xbox oh. controller plugged in. It is a revolutionary experience right now. I am I'm the sort of I'm a PC gamer at heart. I hate playing FPS games on the Xbox. I am useless at it, but for some reason the flight controls just feel so natural on the pad. It's a really good experience.
1: This is good though. This is good though because I'm I'm not giving up my trackball. Yeah. I mean I, I've set up my joystick to make it go and and work, and I just don't like it. So I'm not getting my trackball. Jeff, of course, has you know, literally thousands of dollars worth of joysticks on his
0: desk as we speak. Mm -hmm. And now Lennon has the game controller. So yeah, so we're like a trifectum of something. Oh, I saw some. Speaking of which,
2: I saw some really cool rudder pedals coming out of Poland for 500 bucks a piece. Ah, and too bad you
1: blew your money on Yes,
0: all your ships. exactly. <laughs> Which is why he has to work during a show to make up the money
1: that he Right, exactly. <laughs> He's got to get as much <laughs> overtime as he can.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing as well is uh, I was also, in my spare time, I do a little bit of the old-fashioned, nerdy gaming of Dungeons & Dragons, and I was preparing a few things and flicking through a couple of old magazines, and I stumbled across a review for the original Wing Commander game. And uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you sent that around. It was it was pretty mm-hmm. fantastic. The, the reviewers honestly could not praise this game higher and for those that are interested i'll see if i can get a couple of uh, scans and stick them in the show notes there interestingly it was the rating system that they were using was a star system uh, zero stars being terrible five stars being really good this was the only game to ever be awarded six stars and this the summary line was if you want to own the finest pc slash ms dos game in existence you need to buy this now and more crucially or at least i feel a lot of people were uh, have been, you know, saying about how expensive things like Star Citizen are, if you want to get the decent ships. This game, right. uh, when it was out, and, you know, we're talking possibly about, uh, when did Wing Commander come out? The eighty, late 80s, oh, like, early, uh, early, uh, early 90s, 90s. early Jeff, 90s, 92?
1: Early
2: 90s, right? Uh, early 90s, and it, and it cost, a, well, I know because I bought it, and it cost a whopping
0: 69 dollars. It did indeed, and that is what is written on this article. It's like retail price sixty nine dollars, and that was early nineties. Compare that to today; you can get such a great experience by just investing all that money in a Mustang and a couple of Omni Skies. You'd be well. Away. And Even the game's enough only enough got better really in
2: the,
1: in the later versions too. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Just the the, the power inflation of alone. I think seventy dollars uh, in nineteen ninety, which uh, so sixty nine ninety five in the year nineteen ninety one is $121.58 today. So, you know, not quite doubled. Not quite doubled uh, uh, the price there. So, But that's a Hornet. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's a Hornet. I mean, so yeah, so the, for the price of a Hornet, you're getting full Star Citizen experience, which is multiplayer, online, Persistent Universe, Squadron 42, the whole bit. So Chris Roberts
0: is still offering an excellent value for your hard-earned dollar. Well, it's that where he was always hyperinflated. But, you know, <laughs> let's go with your yeah, explanation. Yeah, yeah. That's much better.
1: And this week's Community Question, the VD Store is obviously a hot-button topic and never not funny. So what are your thoughts? Let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com.
0: And now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, let's go find out all about Wheels Up Systems in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter
1: a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets.
2: Max Stacks and the Stacks Brothers here from Detroit Discount, the best shop inside this ship husk floating around the next asteroid belt. If you can find us, I'll give you a great deal. We've acquired a load of Wiltzot Systems here. Tell everyone what's in stock, Pax. Thanks, Max. I'm holding a
0: data chip containing a. Uh, uh, uh,
1: not necessarily copyright compliant.
0: Uh, thank you, Jax. A copy of the latest P3 auto compensator software. This software works on any ship with any Wheels Up device you have on your ship. One big complaint people have nowadays is that Wills Up software only works with Wills Up gear. But those people forget the Death Gear incident. <laughs> Uh, uh, d- 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 Detroit Discount specifically and expressly
1: disclaims any special knowledge of the Deathcare incident. All right, Pax. Okay.
2: Everyone should remember that beacon near Terra's second largest trade lane that infected the generic open source sensor suites of passing ships and spread out through the galaxy. Don't let that happen to
0: you. Instead, you should install a- uh,
1: Non-warrantied, as is, all defects accepted, allegedly proprietary.
0: Uh, Yes, you should install a closed source scanning suite. The common core code was an entry vector for the worm, and then Death caused all the infected systems to get locked into a grayscale mode, causing billions of lost shipping revenue.
2: Until then, no one really had heard of wills But then suddenly every other company's sensor system broke. People took notice. Better security measures on those open systems should prevent anything like death attack from happening again. But the damage to their reputations was done. Some people accused Will of being behind the incident, but around the shop, we think it was
1: Drake. The opinions expressed by Max are not necessarily representative of Detroit Discount. It's shareholders, officers, or directors.
0: Yeah. Oh, I've had fun messing with the gear on a Drake. That'll teach him to call me up.
1: Detroit Discount does not advise or condone alteration or modification of OEM systems, nor pursuit of vendettas against OEM suppliers.
2: Anyways, the P3 software. This allows for passive tracking of 512 ships, with active locks on three ships, Original systems licensed the interface for Arena Commander, and Origin Jumpworks has wheels-off systems in the 325A. It's hard to customize or specialize as much as I'd like, but it's more stable than many others.
0: The opinions expressed by the host do not necessarily constitute endorsements. If you've got an F7 Hornet, we've got some long-look radar systems you can install. It's the same as you'd find in an F7AR Hornet Tracker. There's nothing quite like some military-grade gear to give you the ability to scrutinize dozens of different things in a system. But if the UEE asks where you've got it, we'd be obliged if you would uh, lose the receipt.
1: Not all equipment and software sold by Detroit Discount is certified TDD compliant, so install at your own risk.
0: That's, yeah, okay,
2: that's right. Come on to Detroit Discount if you want to pay less and don't want to ask a lot of questions. We might be tough to find in the Knicks Asteroid Belt for the first-time customer... But come get some scanner gear and software, and next time it'll be easier to find a great steal.
1: Uh, steal in this context is used purely metaphorically. As uh, All products are believed to be acquired legally, but but, but, not, but not guaranteed to be so. Uh, 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 buyer assumes all liability for product origin. Detroit discount. discount. It'll, it'll probably, probably work. Void or
2: prohibited. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a nugget of lore some Sith or Sith taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation.
1: Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're
0: all friendlies! So let's just be friendly!
1: Some say he can cleft a flying arrow in twine with an offhand glance, and he uses the missing scale from Smog's torso as a tea saucer. But all we know is that he's called the Shiv, and he put together this week's feedback in a new topical format. Same great ingredients, tasty new recipe. We got a lot of feedback this week, so we're going to try to distill it down to make room for as many people as possible. Let's talk first about Arena Commander Credits. This was our community question last week. Kinitsu says, Arena Commander Credits renting, otherwise people could do nothing but AC.
0: Osteron says, if they're hoping to make Arena Commander a robust esports vehicle, I think they have to make the credits go towards rentals. Otherwise, invariably, people will isolate a few premium loadouts and everyone will just purchase those.
2: Seolian, as a sub, we should be given a little bonus in the rental market in AC. Earning ships to use in AC only should be based on skill and time in AC, with a plus up for subs, and should be temporarily based on the amount of credits you spend for it. Nothing should be permanent in AC as it is a simulator, and should be reset, adjusted, manipulated as CIG
1: and the player sees fit. Amontillado says... First of all, love Casey. That was a great job. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, For those of you who are young, my nuggets last week was Casey Kasem, renowned radio announcer from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, Allowing us to earn gear and or ships for AC in the FPS module is a terrific and long overdue move. I prefer they allow us to purchase the sim assets rather than rent them. Renting might help protect backers' previous investments more, but it seems to me to carry a great deal of overhead, such as repetitive shopping. I think the experience would be much better having a separate Arena Commander inventory. Ozzy Lanth
0: writes in and says, I definitely want ARCOM unlocks to be permanent, because the Arena Commander credits represent a time invested by players, and there's no good reason to make them temporary. They don't carry over into the persistent universe, and they serve no other purpose than to provide training and entertainment. Forcing people to recertify in their favourite build when they've been travelling the verse instead of playing ARCOM will drive a segment of the audience away from the simulator. Is that the intention?
2: Dryzu says, I feel that the Arena Commander credits are a good idea. For now, allowing us to bank credits, shop, and upgrade your ships will only make the AC module more fun and get us closer to feeling like the Persistent Universe. As for renting ships, there is a dilemma. Would simply renting ships trivialize the ships purchased by players through CIG? Players may be rightly upset over this. On the other hand, it would entice new players to purchase those ships and packages from CIG after renting them.
1: Well, a lot of good feedback on this yes. one. So I think there's two streams here, and we'll take them maybe one at a time. One is renting versus buying, and one is pay-to-win sort of discussion we were having earlier about the weapons. So, guys, so on balance, what do you think? Renting versus buying. Jeff, go.
2: Yeah. Uh. I don't know. You know, Arena Commander is a simulator. I I think they should just give us what they need to test and have done with it.
1: Once it's unlocked in Arena Commander, it's just unlocked, right? It's testing. It's a game within a game. And once you unlock Mario's special super wings on the Mario Kart, you just always have them to play with, right?
0: Yeah, I, I quite liked the idea of what Amondeado had of the separate Arena Commander inventory. I think that if you were to use the Arena Commander credits to rent Arena Commander ships, keep it as a separate thing from the Persistent Universe, obviously then that way you're not going to overlap people who've pledged money and it keeps it all separate and everybody's all nice and friendly and all that sort of thing. Um, At the same time, though, one thing that has come up in other games, um, I'm looking particularly at Star Trek Online for this, they didn't like people testing ships on their test server because they found a lot of people would get the ships, test it, and then decide that actually they didn't like it and didn't want to buy it. So do you think that being able to test the ships in Arena Commander would would ultimately impact pledge amounts or would it actually benefit it in the fact that people will figure out what they don't like and therefore conversely what they do like and will still spend money just on the things that they want rather than just buying ship after ship after ship
1: you know i think that depends on again like Jess's point was what the whole point of arena commander is if the arena commander is a sales leader then the whole star trek online problem could become a problem you know why let them test it and then decide they don't like it and then not buy it But I think the problem is solved by saying, look, Arena Commander is a test bed. And if people are going to invest lots of time into the game, I think they sort of owe those testers the ability to decide what they don't like. Because if you work at it, you know, if you provide lots of shots fired and lots of, you know, connecting to the networks and ping tests and whatever it is they're, you know, culling from the user data, I think they sort of owe you the opportunity to decide, I don't like that big ship. I much like a smaller ship. So I mean I I think it's a trade. I think that the arena commander ships ought to be sort of buy in arena commander, much like I'm going to say I'm going to say like Mario Kart. My son loves unlocking all the little doodads and all the little different types of uh, characters you can use, and all the different kinds of parachutes and tires, and I mean. Let it be that model, because if people are going to invest the time to test and and stress the systems, let them just have those things in Arena Commander and let them show off as a badge of honor all the Arena Commander coins that they've unlocked. Or conversely, let them buy them in the VD store and show them off that way that they spent all the money on the bling. Either way, people get to show it off and it's theirs permanently in their Arena Commander spot. And then don't let any of this transfer into the Persistent Universe because that is where you actually are going to have to spend time and risk to earn the bling. And that's, I think, the big thing. Here in Arena Commander, there's no risk. It's just you go play and stuff blows up and falls off and you hit the reset button, you're done. But in the Persistent Universe, the bling and the skins and the equipment and the gear represent game time and value at risk uh, of your ship and of your death clock and all that other kind of stuff. And we sort of isolated the next group of feedback here about our Griefer's discussion. Osteron says, I like Tony's Prison Planet mechanic with the tedious missions slash time ban. However, I think the reason there isn't a lot of effort being put toward a solid Griefing deterrence mechanic is something Lennon touched upon. Most griefers, as soon as they encounter a mechanic in-game that legitimately locks them down, will ditch their current character and create another one. There's no real way I can think of to combat that, so I can't fault CIG for not devoting a lot of time on anti-griefing measures.
0: Kinshadow says, despite me being a pirate, I think secure areas should have some level of real security. That said, as with most things, I don't like your solution. (laughs) Ha, as usual. While punishing griefers is admirable, making actual and proper pirates peel virtual potatoes is deplorable. Can you imagine Han Solo getting sent to quarterdeck or euthanized for shooting Greedo? CIG did mention several other solutions to the problem in the town hall. One, offenders would be banned from planets. Two, drawing your weapon may cause you to lose weapon privileges. If you've gotten banned from a secure planet in the UEE, it is not too far-fetched to think that the UEE will simply disable your weapons on other secure planets. Lastly, you mentioned the victim receiving permadeath, or at least a tick off the death clock. Chris has mentioned on 10 for the Chairman that not all deaths cost the same or even tick that clock. I would argue that death on a secure planet is so close to high-grade medical facilities that it shouldn't tick the clock at all.
2: Stark Reality says, I think going around killing people on Terra would probably get you locked out from the landing on that planet again, as well as lowering your rep with any other terror friendly planets and the UEE. Some level of reputation may follow the next character. Hell, even some low end backwater planet, they would probably have some hillbilly code of conduct involving attacking other players in their space pub or something, where if caught, you would be kicked out of Hillbilly Planet due to your rep getting low. This also leads back to the ID system they're planning on having, letting players get their hands on fake IDs to use to get into planets their reps not great with. I think there's even a mention about an app that stores IDs
1: in the Moby Glass article. Will Nichols says, hey guys, your conversation on punishments for planetside behavior got me thinking back to America's Army, where team killing resulted in a temporary server ban accompanied by a literal trip to fictional Leavenworth for your character. I myself earned this a couple of times, although through lack of skill, not intentional idiocy. I'm sure that some business will get handled on planets, even Terra, and some of it will be justified. I'd take a three-hour ban in order to shoot a pirate in the face, whether or not there was an in-game bounty on him. But people who delight in repeatedly griefing folks should be dealt with swiftly by simply removing them from the environment.
0: Yeah, and I think that just to immediately follow on from that one, CIG were saying that the beautiful thing about instances is that you have no idea which instance you end up on or, more importantly, why you've ended up on it. So if the griefers want to go griefing, then eventually they'll kind of get flagged by the system and they'll all get shoved onto their own instance.
1: I still have a problem with that, because you're designing the game around the assumption that there's metagaming going on. At base, that's my problem. Why don't you just deal with the metagaming in the game? And I think the America's Army example is a great one. I mean, it's already been done. And again, let's not get into the politics of the whole thing, but at least one game company and one game designer said, if you're going to commit fratricide or non-justifiable homicide within the confines of the rules of the game, you get a timeout. And I would like to see CIG take that same standpoint is that we will deal with in-game badness in an in-game way, whether or not it's intended to be a metagame or not. If I'm going in for the lulls to really piss off a real-life player, not cap an in-game character. You know, I, I, I'm OK with Kinshadow being a pirate and assassinating people in the verse. That's what he wants to do. Awesome. Go for it. Just know that if you're busted... We'll send you to a prison planet and make you peel potatoes. And again, think about it. this, this Ken Shadow, I'm talking to you here. What if you never get caught? That makes you legendary. What if you get caught and keep going back so many times that you are now the king of the prison system? And you've been in and out of the joint so many times, you now have special contacts that pop up in the NPC world that they know you're a bad dude because you've been sent to quarter deck 30 times. I mean, there are gameplay options that could arise from this system, from A, choosing your targets carefully and the system security that uh, you're willing to deal with, and B, if you are caught, there's another venue for you to be awesome at. I, I just think that it's they're, they're waving the light flag. Yeah, that's I, what I see, that. I that's
2: where I agree with you, Tony. Griefing w- without consequence is bad. If you want to grief, and I know that the griefer could face you know some ramification for his action i wouldn't feel so bad about it and i probably wouldn't be sending in a support ticket for how bad this person was
0: and on just general show feedback sean newby says wonderful episode everyone
2: mac McLeod says great show i would be lost at work
1: without you guys making me laugh no Brickwall goalie says if i listen to the podcast while playing star trek online will my head explode from too much sci-fi asking for a friend
0: Ken from Chicago suggests we have a visual slash typed names. Then we can have a phonetically typed out name for a computer generated voice actors to use for our names and for our ship names.
1: He's suggesting that we teach the CIG computers how to pronounce our names so that we can be called out by the, oh, the voice actors. Ah, that's cool. yeah.
2: saatchi one two three. So MG Minigames.
1: Flappy Hornet confirmed. And Spec Orc Gaming says first time listening cannot believe we have missed this great stuff. From our amazing donors of monetary goodness, our latest patron, Jason, has joined us in wanting to see the Shiv's face melt in anguish bestowed upon him from a bag of ghost pepper chips. If we get 15 more patrons by February 14th, the next show recording, he'll eat it on camera, perhaps even live. Any amount of money pledged on a per episode basis counts, even a nickel. Click on the giant P on the website to become a backer. And random.org chose a winner this week, Tabascoid. Congratulations, sir. A sticker with the proud
0: Card Frequency logo will soon be yours. And just before we go, a reminder of this week's community question. The VD store is obviously a hot-button topic, so what are your thoughts? Let us know by sending us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com, or just post on our show thread over on the Robert Space Industries fansite sub-forum.
1: So how was the show? Do we stand up to the playground bully, or are we going to have to move in with our auntie and uncle in Bel-Air? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com.
0: You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com or just find us on iTunes.
2: Hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and start an argument on our Reddit at guardfreak.reddit.com. You can leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak.
1: And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do here every week, so please take a minute, tell us what's on your mind. And that'll bring us to the end of Episode 58 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with Episode 59 on February 17th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforum.
2: Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in the show notes.
0: Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, then you should check out our sister production, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greatest Star Trek universe. Just head on over to priorityonepodcast.com.
2: Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday nights, then you should join us live at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8.30 Central or so, and that's Sundays
1: at 2.30 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkies.com for more of his work, including his latest release, Alpha Numeric. But above all, we want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Time to three three zero carable one five. Squawk seven seven zero zero.
0: Stay on the ground.
1: episode 58 and was recorded on February 7th and made available for we thank everybody who's already that was my cheesecake from earlier apologize we thank everyone who's that was just me being tired and out of sorts we thank everyone who's choked in god bless it died pete oh damn I mean, you're gonna peter jones whether or not there was an in-gowny in in-gowny county in county bane whether or not there was an in-gown God, <laughs> did it until then no one's really heard of willis yeah and one more quick note about those qdb quick deployment barricades there's a new fan trailer out there it's a boarding party trailer have you guys seen did you guys see that on twitter
0: just, like, I think I thing saw thing. it being tweeted around, but I never actually got around to watching the video. Oh, I heard of it. It's,
1: it's badass. Disco Lando did a voiceover in it. Uh, it's it's a, it's basically a Connie boarding action, and it is just phenomenal. Let me, let me find them, it find them on my Twitter here. Sorry, make somebody make good radio while I look this damn thing up. I should have. I, I forgot all about it till I saw that barricade thing. But they put the barricades in there. Apparently they're in they're they're in they're an asset in the engine right now, and they just they dug them up.
0: Uh, yeah, I wish we had somebody who could go through the patch things and dig them out, but unfortunately Parias is like, oh, I've got like millions of things to do, and nobody like, pays me busy in salad and I and work for a living. Whatever, blah, blah, blah. yeah, like I've got a wife and kids to feed. Pfft,
1: screw that. Actually, I, he, I don't know if he does or not, but he is Canadian, well, so he might.
0: He's he's Canadian. He's got moose to feed. Then you know it doesn't matter. Moose, yes. I got yeah, moose, moose to feed yeah. and maple trees to try and get the sap out of. I don't know what do they do in Canada. I should know, uh, but
1: you shouldn't. You live there. They eat mac and cheese. That's for one thing. Craft dinner.
0: You know what? I take it all back. He's clearly got other priorities that he he has to get on with. Oh, okay, so, no, sorry, <laughs> I was just uh making a note to cut that out later. You see being a responsible audio engineer here. Oh,
1: well, oh you're just very, good, very good. Well then
0: I've got to make a you note know, to cut this out so it's all good. Um
1: and who suddenly drops off the feed? Hello, Lennon, are you still there? Hello?
0: Hello.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh okay. I, I you uh, who is right and I yeah, what what was the quote? I don't even remember. Uh, I quote some Who things.
0: who was right and who was stupid? You
1: did it again. He, yeah, he did it again.
0: Who was right and who was stupid? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I didn't really. I, I like the dramatic reading of that. I wasn't really trying to fish that out, but I'm so glad we did. It. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and
1: finally, a look. it looks on. <clears throat> oh, I was just going to say, go Jeff, but you you were going already, and I interrupted you, and I apologize profusely. Please, you broke my rhythm.
2: If you haven't been following along with the whole RSI thing, if you got jumped on the forums and seen all over it that this is a work in progress and that you're downloading a a, a test client and and all and i haven't read the packs then you know by all means i'm going to buy the weapons and screw your ass <laughs> and
0: that's going in the bloopers because you 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 literally said i will buy the weapons i will pay to screw your ass uh, that's also going in the bloopers
1: I'm sorry, I was busy calculating inflation. Yeah. My sarcasm jokey detector was turned off. Plus you have that British accent, which means I have to take everything you say seriously at first.
0: Well, you know, Tony, cocoa comes from the cocoa nut. Oh, and really? And chocolate milk comes from chocolate cows.
1: Wait, oh, hey, no fair. i was still calculating inflation. Oh, sorry. Which, by the way...
0: <laughs> and uh well now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the oh sorry no 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 skipping skipping oh, oh
2: okay <clears throat> oh, that, yeah, let me write.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bd <laughs>